tuning into Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. Our guest today is Palak Kapadia. Creative expression and storytelling is her forte. She calls herself a writer who moonlights as a sleep-deprived writer. From being the kid whose essays are read out in class, whose favorite subject is English, who has a love for reading and finds solace in writing from a young age, Palak could see herself writing for the rest of her life. It made her happy and understandably, media and advertising seem to be a nice way to make a career out of. Immediately after her bachelor's, Palak took up the role of community manager and branded content lead for the very famous Terribly Tiny Tales. She not only wrote editorial content, but also more than 100 tales for over top 50 brands, such as Cadbury's, Mother Dairy's, Benetton, Kellogg's, and Vivo, amongst many others. A little more than a year later, she moved to France to teach English as a second language. In 2018, she started pursuing the postgraduate portfolio program in copywriting at Miami Ad School, and her work at school has been exemplary, as in 2020 itself, she has been either shortlisted as a finalist or a silver or gold winner at 10 different international platforms for art and creativity, such as One Show Young Ones, Can Young Lions Award, ADC Junior Germany and Summit Creative Awards for her exceptional ideas. Welcome Palak Kapadia to the Small Big Wins podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you Palak for joining us today. Palak, let's start deep diving into what you do. Your metaphors, parables, poems have intrigued me. And the way in many stories, you have singularized something so pluralistic with a word. And these words come from different languages. For example, the word Goya, which comes from Urdu, you have used the word Goya to put together Amazon's vast storybook collection and Alexa's deep learning technology crossing paths for the first time ever. And you have named it Plot Twist. What does Goya mean? And why did you name it like this? And can you tell us a little bit about your project? For me, I'm a writer, words are my whole life. So there's always this joy, a word that uh, sums up exactly what you've been feeling. You recognize an emotion, but when you find a word for it, a name to give it to it, that makes it even more special. And for me, I speak six languages. I've always been very fascinated with learning languages. Oftentimes what happens is that I discover a word in a different language that uh, sums up that emotion that I've known my whole life. For example, in Hindi, we have the word Angnai, which I can't really translate to any other language that I know. The closest English equivalent to it would be stretching, which does not even begin to capture the range of emotion that there is in Angnai. And when I found those words, it just made a special place in my heart. And I started creating a bank for them. I would keep going back to that time and again to uh, rediscover these beautiful words. And then when I was creating my portfolio, I also wanted it to be representative of my personality and not just the work that I do. 
and when I was thinking about how I can bring more me into uh, my portfolio, I thought that these words are something that are my own and that, that is something that's so close to my heart. And I wanted that to sum up my work. So now every single project on my portfolio has one word in a different language, not necessarily a language that I speak, but I managed to find that sums up the entire campaign or the emotion that it's meant to convey in just one, one word or one phrase. So with Amazon, like you mentioned, the word is the temporary suspension of disbelief that good storytelling brings. Which means that when you're listening to a good story, you feel like anything is possible. You don't question whether this is realistic, whether this will even happen. You take stories for what they are and they let you believe in magic and they let you believe in fantasies. So my campaign for Amazon is something which is very close to my heart because it came from a very personal insight for me where I was very offended by the fact that we have entire generations of little girls growing up with one life ambition of wanting to be a princess when they can be so much more. But the problem I realized lies in the stories that we're being told as children. As kids, the only stories that you listen to are about a princess and a prince who rescued her. And it's no surprise that is the ideal that little girls aspire to. So if we wanted to change how little girls can see themselves, then we have to change the stories that we're telling them. And my partner and I were brainstorming about this concept when we thought maybe artificial intelligence can be something that can help. And so we created Plot Twist, which is an interactive storytelling platform on Amazon Alexa, where the child can simply say, hey Alexa, can you tell me a story? And Alexa will ask you what character you want to be today. So the child has the freedom to be an astronaut, a zookeeper, a fireman, whatever it is that they want to be on that day. And Alexa creates a story putting them as a protagonist in that role, in that story. And it's also interactive so they can determine how the story progresses. And yeah, essentially the idea with that is to break the traditional gender roles that fairy tales tend to perpetuate and allowing little kids to see themselves as whoever they want to be starting from a very young age. Norman, it's a transformative idea because it's not only about advertising or media. I think you are trying with this idea to make a dent in the way we grow up kids. This was a project given by Amazon or it was your own idea? Actually went the other way around. So this was something that we proactively came up with, my partner and I, just while we were jamming. Uh, and then we created a little video to present the idea and we submitted it to one of the advertising student awards called the Chip Shop Awards around this time last year actually. And it ended up winning in the best digital category. And also the, there was something called the Chairs Award, which the jury chairman decides their favorite overall project from everything that has been submitted. And we won for that as well. The jury chairman actually liked the idea so much that we are now building it with his agency. It is currently in the process of beta testing and soon we're going to be pitching it to Amazon. Oh, that's wonderful. Many congratulations for getting to the stage with this project. Wonderful combination of bringing tradition and digital together. 
because the grandpas and grandmoms are no longer in a position to do that with nuclear families. So bringing that and having Alexa speak them out, I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm really enamored by that. Thank you. I'm so glad you think so. I also loved what you did for Nespresso. You used the word fika and uh, your poem said that a cup of coffee how little it takes to be alive in two places in two moments at once. Share something with us on this. Definitely. So what we were doing for Nespresso was creating a print campaign for Nespresso Master Origin Coffees. Now Nespresso's Master Origin Coffees plays a lot of emphasis on how that coffee is grown and where it is grown. So they have uh, coffee coming from India, they have coffee coming from Colombia, they have coffee coming from Indonesia and all of these places, this coffee is grown under very specific weather conditions by very specific traditional farmers who've been doing this for years and uh, it is as authentic as coffee can get and it carries so much of the land that it has grown in, the culture surrounding it, the traditions with which it is cultivated. So to us, that meant that this one cup of coffee, it's not just a cup of coffee anymore. Like every coffee seed is carrying so much, almost becomes a journey. And I could be sitting in my apartment in New York City, but drinking this coffee from India and be transported to that experience, or I could be transported to Indonesia. Like it's that little journey that you undertake every time you're sitting down and having a cup of Nespresso Master Origin coffee. And my art director brought that whole idea alive using illustrations where you see the skyline of one city, but inside the silhouette of a co coffee pod, you can see the place that it is originating from. I saw them and they were just fantabulous. Thank you. That was the idea to bring this visual journey alive in the form of print ads so that anybody who's looking at it immediately can tell that drinking this coffee is the easiest way that I'm going to be able to travel. On this morning, even if I am sitting in the subway probably or in a tiny apartment, it's still not restrictive. And uh, that's how that idea was born. And the word fika, it comes from which language? It comes from Finnish. It means a coffee break. And I use that to bring this whole experience of traveling through coffee alive. I want to talk about a few more here. And the next one I'm hesitating in pronouncing. This is the one you did for North Face. It came from the language Swahili. Yes, it's, it's called Tuko Pamoja. Thanks for telling me that because I would have done it wrong either way. <laughs> yeah, that it's a word which actually sums up uh, the North Face campaign very beautifully because literally it means one place and figuratively it means a shared sense of purpose or a shared sense of motivation that uh, you get when you belong to a group or a community. The brief given to us was to celebrate female explorers. And while we were doing our research, we realized that exploration has very elite connotations to it. Like when I say the word exploration to you, you're probably going to imagine somebody who is mountain climbing or somebody who is hiking through a trail in a forest, probably with a backpack. You don't think about women uh, who walk miles every day just because they have to. There are women in a lot of countries who have to walk for hours and miles to get water. There are women who walk for miles to uh, reach like these inaccessible schools where they're teaching children. There is a group of women in Bolivia who climb mountains in their traditional outfits to raise awareness for women's empowerment. 
and those are explorers too but the conventional sense of the word does not bring all of that to life so what we wanted to create is an opportunity for women around the world to walk a mile in their shoes and uh, we did that through a technological innovation where north face collaborates with this app called strava and the traditional walking route of these women in different countries is replicated for me in a city like mumbai or for someone in tokyo or for someone in new york and every time i'm walking running hiking cycling along these paths the north face converts miles into donations to help further their causes so tuko pamoja sums that up because not only am i in one place with this person walking the same route as her every day but also sharing that sense of purpose about being in this beautiful community of being a woman so you never learned swahili ever since i started my little obsession of finding my favorite untranslatable words in different languages i keep like looking words up in other languages and doing research and over time i have this bank built which has these beautiful little words from multiple different languages and i just happen to discover this by chance or by design from the universe <laughs> who knows <laughs> and uh, there was this another one called philia which is friendship based on shared interests and this was the one which you used to put the collaboration of spotify match and google maps together so with spotify match the brief given to us was to get people to listen to spotify in the car because music listeners are listening to spotify all through their day but in the car most people are still stuck into the habit of listening to the radio it does not come naturally to listen to spotify and while doing our research again we found this insight that about 76% of americans drive to work alone every single day but they don't want to share a car with someone because it feels awkward and since we were talking about spotify what is a more beautiful way to connect strangers than music it's the easiest way to break the ice between two people meeting for the first time and help them become friends and chances are if you have similar tastes in music you would find other common interests so our idea was to create a collaboration with google maps where uh, you analyze your preset home and work locations and uh, find people who drive along a similar work route every single day and then we compare their tastes in music on spotify and if we feel they are a match then we encourage them to carpool so we bring people together through shared love of music and in the process help save the planet and the word philia comes from it comes from greek ah i'm really enjoying the way you are explaining all this i think there should have been instances in your growing up which would have influenced you strongly towards language or towards the love for language can you talk about some of these indelible incidences which make you what you are and why you are absolutely right so when i was a little kid my mom had this habit of reading me poems and stories and singing songs in different languages back when i was a toddler i already spoke fluent english hindi gujarati marathi because uh, of the way that my mom raised me and honestly i think that's where this love for languages goes back to and then once i was in high school i had the option of choosing french and i decided why not 
and I ended up falling in absolute love with the language. I learned it for over 10 years, even moved to France twice, uh, once for a month and once for over a year um, to teach English and participate in a cultural exchange program. And then there was no looking back since that point. When I went for the cultural exchange, I met 50 other people. We were a group of 50 people coming from 36 different countries. So that was, again, several new languages and new cultures, new perspectives, new ways of thinking. And I found that very fascinating. And that drove me to start learning more languages. Uh, and I am learning Spanish and Portuguese right now. That is your seventh language now with Portuguese? Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. I think I uh, forgot what I was saying, but yeah, I wanted to ask you, Palak, that do you like philosophy? And I ask you this because the way you use words and make connections. Right. I definitely love philosophy. I like reading about it. I've read uh, some parts of it just for pleasure. I don't have any formal training in it, but I would definitely like to get it someday because I'm very fascinated by the different perspectives that people have. And I think philosophy is a very formal branch of knowledge in, in that respect. And it's something that I would definitely like to learn. When I was going through your work, I saw that a lot of your campaigns, they carry a certain similarity and yet are vividly different. The similarity is what we already spoke about a bit is the use of words from different languages and the poems or the parables which you convey. And the difference is also exactly that. Have you recognized this? Has someone ever told you something on this? These words uh, sum up the meaning of a campaign. It's something that I did on purpose, just to have a sense of like uniformity and also some personal branding to my portfolio. Because I wanted my website to be very representative of who I am as a person, in addition to what I can do in terms of writing for a brand. Because ultimately, yes, we're hiring to fill a position, but it's also about the people that we want to work with. And there's only uh, so much that just the work that uh, you do for a brand can convey about who you are as a person. And I wanted my website to be more reflective of the person that I am. So that is something that I have done on purpose. Another similarity that I have been told very often by people is that a lot of my ideas want to save the world. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I think part of the reason why I got into advertising is because I want to save the world in some capacity. And thus, I can only do that by writing. That's the tool that I have. I am not Mother Teresa. I don't know medicine. There are a lot of different things that I don't know, but I can write. And advertising helps me connect with brands that have more influence than I do and have the ability to start talking about more important issues. And I want to be a part of that. And yeah, so that's something that I've been trying to do already and I hope to keep doing further along in my career. That's a small big win, I must say. Thank you. <laughs> when I was growing up, we used to get Time magazine at home. And on the center spread of Time magazine, every time there used to be this wonderful quotation, which said, of all those arts in which the wise excel, nature's chief masterpiece is writing well. And it said anonymous. There was no name given to who has written this. 
And when I was uh, preparing to speak with you, I looked up these lines on the internet. And uh, the internet came up with a gentleman called John Sheffield, who was the first Duke of Buckingham and Norman B, who had written these beautiful lines. What do they convey to you? How do you resonate with them? Thank you so much for sharing this with me. It is very beautiful. And uh, I'm so glad I know it now because it's something that's very close to my heart. And uh, even in advertising, like though I am now by profession a copywriter, I would like to think of myself as a writer first. And what you just said is uh, something that can really capture an emotion that a writer feels. I don't write because I, I have to, because it's because I have no choice. Sometimes there's a story inside of you or there's a poem inside of you and you have to tell it. You will not feel peaceful. You have, will have no peace of mind until you've actually conveyed that story and you've written it out. And that's what I feel on a regular basis. So I always like to say that I'm a writer because I don't have a choice. It has always been a form of expression for me. And the court compares it to other arts. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't think it's uh, superior or inferior to other forms of art. I think all art inspires each other and all art can grow and learn from each other. But my art is definitely writing and it gives me purpose. It makes me who I am. That quote really did resonate with me. When we talk about songs, I love songs and I love Hindi songs. And when someone asks me, what is your favorite? It's very difficult to pick out one because there are so many beautiful ones. But if you were to pick up a few of your own writings, which you are personally enamored by, which you think, how did these words came? What are they? Oh, that's a very difficult question to answer because like you said, it's hard to pick one. And also the thing about uh, being artists is that we're never really very proud of stuff that we make. We always feel like we can do better. If I were to read something now from two years ago, I would probably be like, okay, I hate this. Why did I ever write this? But that's probably just part of growing and evolving as artists. But there's, there are a couple of my poems that continue to resonate with me and uh, that have probably resonated with other people as well that I can read out for you. Yeah, the first one is called Rabta and it's an Urdu word which means inexplicable connection with another soul. And the poem goes, You don't speak my mother's first language. My bedtime stories didn't feature your town. Your novel's protagonist doesn't have the name that I've saved for my daughter. You're yellow and I'm blue. And our jigsaw pieces have ragged edges from trying to fit together. Yet, here you are now, completing my sentences, punctuating my silences. What can I say? Sometimes silence is better than words. <laughs> Was this something which happened when you went through a situation or when you saw something? So this particular piece is actually very um, inspired from real life because the closest connections that I have with my people are always with uh, people who are very different from who I am. It's if I am a very talkative person, they are more of a listener. I am very cheesy Bollywood and like my best friend is into metal music. And I always wonder that how did we find each other and how do we click together so well? 
but i guess that's also the beauty of relationships right it's there's no explaining it there's no one reason why i love this person or i'm really good friends with this person it's just something that happens and uh, you can question it but there's really no explanation as to why it is that you feel so strongly about certain people and some people are just kind of meant to be and i was trying to capture that uh, whole idea in this poem i remember reading uh, one of your pieces uh, which read like this tomorrow we will be 7755 miles apart but my favorite parts of us are nestled between the folds of my clothes safe in my suitcase it hardly seems surprising then that the airlines decide to add a little label fragile handled with care yes. i really loved this one too thank you i i wonder what is your story behind this so this i wrote it like i'm talking about a person actually i'm not i was talking about paris in this poem and i wrote it after i was living there for 8 months and on the flight back because when i was leaving i felt like uh, i was leaving a piece of myself behind in that city and uh, it had become such a huge part of my reality that in that moment i could not imagine what life would be like when i'm not in paris and i wrote it a love poem and that is what you just read out it seems that uh, several of your writings are coming from friendship are coming from longing or liking for certain places one of your pieces for terribly tiny tales dear long distance friend which had gone viral that piece was something that i had written for cadbury we had done a branded content collaboration with cadbury for friendship day and uh, the brief was to write open letters to different kinds of friends and i wrote this for my long distance best friend who is all the way in romania and i miss her very much so actually all of that longing and all of those emotions and all of that frustration of not being able to be with each other physically or see each other as often as we would like to i wrote it into that letter honestly that's one of my most raw pieces of writing i have not done massive editing to it or uh, tried to make it sound too poetic it's just something that i wrote from the heart like i was writing a letter to her and surprisingly it resonated with a lot of the other people on the internet who i'm assuming also all have long distance best friends and it ended up going viral which is something that i had never imagined was going to happen for me it was just personal expression for my friend but i think my favorite part about writing and putting work out there in on the internet is when people can find little pieces of themselves in my words because i really enjoy reading and i love it when somebody has captured an emotion that i can completely relate to and i feel in that moment you feel a little less alone because there's been somebody else out there who's had your exact experience and they've uh, written it down and you find it and you have this connection with a person that you will probably not know that is my favorite part when it happens to other people with my words so why don't you read out for us dear long distance friend people say long distance relationships suck they've never tried a long distance friendship because suck doesn't even begin to cover it but life has a way of taking people we love and tossing them across oceans and i hate it i hate how my phone is full of apps that claim to bring you closer but honestly they don't i hate how we meticulously plan skype dates 
and then they don't happen because you've had a long day at work or I have a random test tomorrow. I hate that your stupid new place is in a weird time zone and I have to wake you up at 2 a.m. to ask red or black. I hate that I'm always forgetting the names of all these new people and mostly I have no clue who you're bitching about. I hate that your new boyfriend doesn't like tomatoes on his pizza. I know that, but I haven't even met him yet. I hate how I have to call you an hour before your birthday and refuse to hang up, even if you're at a party, just so that I can be the first one to wish you. I still get a teensy bit jealous when your other friends become a rather frequent feature on your social media and in our conversations. And I hate how sometimes all I need is a hug from you, but you're half a world away. I hate a lot of things, but I love how we can pick up right where we left off every single time. I love that even if WhatsApp calls are a work of the devil and Skype freezes all the time, shitty internet connections do nothing to ruin our connection. I love how only you can deal with my dramas from across the world like you did from across the room. And most importantly, I love you. And I know you do too. And that makes all of this okay. Brilliant to hear this from your own self. What do you see for yourself now? I personally feel that there is a lot of recognition, a lot of success which you have seen at a young age with your work. You have done some great work for some great brands. Uh, you write. And all this when your career hasn't even, in a way, begun. What is it like? Thank you, first of all, for saying that. That's very kind of you. But to me, I don't think that this really is the kind of success that I'm chasing. Of course, it's nice to win awards and it's nice to have recognition. But really what I want is for my work to make a difference in the real world. The stuff that I have right now is still ideas. And when it actually begins to impact lives and it begins to make a difference is when I would feel that it has been successful and that's what I work towards every single day and on a more personal level I think success to me is being able to pay forward as an immigrant woman of color I know that there have been so many other fantastic women who have helped me mentored me held the door open for me so that I could create all this work and I could win all these prizes. And I want to be able to grow and become the kind of person who can do this for more people so that there are more uh, women who look and sound like us in rooms where important decisions are being made. That was very profound what you just said, Palak. I think a lot of it is coming from the fact that you want to make a difference and you want to make a difference to women. Absolutely. And where does that come from? Is it something which, because that's a gap where many people have to work, it's a gap which needs to be addressed? Or is there some other genesis to this? I think it mostly just comes from my personal experience as a woman. I have been lucky to be raised in a family where I was treated no differently. And I've been lucky to have the privilege and the opportunities. But I know that is not true for so many other women in my own country and across the world. And it, it physically pains me that to this day, we're living in a world where a woman can't go and take a walk alone at night. Or a woman is going to be paid less for the same job with uh, just as much talent just because of the fact that she is a woman. Or the fact that she 
will ultimately be expected to compromise on her career when she gets married and no matter how wonderful a mom she is if she's also working she's going to be looked down upon or if she leaves her career to become a mother full time she's going to be looked down upon it just feels like women can't do anything right with how the world is right now and it pains me that so many generations of us have grown up like this and this is not the kind of world that i would someday want to raise my daughter in so i want to create a better world for for women like that how is your own family different than others what is the kind of support they have been able to give you and why doesn't it happen everywhere um, i think that being in a joint family is wonderful mostly because i am an only child so it was nice to have cousins who you grew up with as siblings and also being in a joint family you have multiple mom figures in your life so i think i've always been surrounded by very strong women and a lot of my personality comes from that from being raised by women who are as wonderful and as strong as them my mother is my singular greatest inspiration um in life she is a fantastic woman and uh, how they have raised me differently is just in terms of the opportunities that i have uh, when i moved to new york to work abroad uh, and study abroad there were so many people who told them that how are you letting her go alone she is an only child and she is a woman and she's going to be living there alone and how will she manage but my parents have had uh, absolute faith in me and i am so thankful to be blessed with parents who believe in my dreams more fiercely than i do and they are willing to do whatever it happens and give me all the kinds of support be it financial be it emotional all kinds of support to chase my dreams i'm really very lucky you spoke about being with multiple mom women and i'm reminded about this work which you did for mother dairy unbiological moms that was a work with terribly tiny tales isn't it it was yeah. yeah i think that was really a splendid piece i think uh, thank you the audience who would listen to this podcast would not mind hearing uh, you talk about unbiological moms why don't you tell us something definitely so unbiological moms was a campaign that we did for mother dairy on mother's day and what the brand was looking to do is establish itself as a maternal figure who looks after you when your mom is not around now moms and mother dairy and mothers day together are all a seamless fit but a challenge that we were facing as creatives is that the brand wanted to take moms out of the equation so how do, what else do you talk about on mothers day and we found this like we were discussing and we came upon this realization that you find a lot of mom qualities in people who may not biologically be your mother you have the best friend who's constantly looking out for you you have the neighbor auntie who makes sure you're okay when you're living alone you have aunts and you have older siblings all of whom act as mother figures in your life when you need them to because a lot of women are just wired like that and so we created this collaboration for mothers day celebrating unbiological moms or the different mom figures in your life and thank all of them for mothers day and just not your biological mother so the tale that um, i wrote for it we were creating microfiction content and the tale that i wrote for it was uh, don't overwork yourself your colleague shites did you eat friend texts get home safe sister says i carry a baby and they become mothers 
so this is just summing up the experience of a woman who is pregnant because when she is all the other women in her life start to take care of her as if she is a child and not about to become a mother and uh, that's something that i wanted to bring to life in that tale yes and and very aptly conveyed unbiological moms yes you talked so much about women you just talked about uh, moms i think a lot of your work is bringing the female element into a different light you worked also for lipstick you promoted the lipstick under my borka movie and there was something beautiful you wrote about it i think it would not sound good in my words i would like you to share that please definitely so lipstick under my borka like is a movie about four very feisty women from small town india who are chasing their dreams and their desires and these little secret acts of rebellion that women tend to do just to be able to live the lives that they want to live and to promote that movie we were creating very bold empowering badass stories about women and mine says so all of this is in quotes like what people are telling the character of the tale the protagonist it says it's unsafe this is bad for your career why don't you just settle down i left it all behind her ticket only allowed 23 kgs of baggage i want to clap for this one thank you <laughs> i i really like the way it ended her ticket allowed only 23 kilos of baggage for everything else yeah. we left out yep what are some of your most favorite stories be it written by anyone most favorite story series of all time as cheesy as this is going to sound is harry potter because i have first of all grown up with those books and secondly i have read them time and again and reading it recently as an adult is what made me admire the quality of writing that is in there as a child i related more to the story itself and the experience but reading it as an adult and as somebody who's trying to be a writer myself uh, i realized this is such beautiful quality of writing because it takes so much to create a whole other universe like here you're not um, drawing upon experiences that readers are going to relate to anyway you have created a whole other world that rowling has done so beautifully and she actually manages to create a world that i would be happy to leave this life behind if i could go to that and that's so powerful and that's such beautiful writing so i think that to me is benchmark in very good writing some other stories not necessarily in books that i i really enjoy is there's this tv show on nbc called this is us which is again very beautiful writing like every time i watch an episode i am feeling a million emotions i am mostly crying in every single episode and i feel like i want to write something like that this is so great i want to be the kind of writer who can create work this profound and so that is again one of my most favorites thirdly i love the movies the before trilogy by richard lanklenter and that before sunrise before sunset and before midnight these are the three movies and in the three movies literally nothing happens it's an hour and a half of two people talking but their conversations are so beautiful that you want to listen to them for an hour and a half which is incredible to me with the kind of attention spans that we have right now to make someone sit down and listen to two people talk for the duration of three entire movies 
is unimaginable and that's brilliant writing and lastly i love uh, anything that disney makes disney movies are my favorite also the book the little prince which is a french book le petit prince but it's been translated to multiple languages because when you can take these profound adult concepts and break them down in a way that a 5 year old can understand them then you're doing something right you have given me a lot of content lot of very good content <laughs> in the next <laughs> when you talk about harry potter articulate some of the lessons which are coming out from that particularly when you are reading it as an adult and finding it different uh, i think everything that dumbledore says is words of wisdom to me when he says it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live that is beautiful something very simple but uh, very profound is when he says that it's our choices that show who we are far more than our abilities that is so real he says happiness can be found in the darkest of times if only one can remember to turn on the light and those are words that have stayed with me for so long and then towards the end of the first book he says to neville that it takes a great deal of courage to stand up to our enemies but even more so to stand up to our friends that is beautiful incredible to me so dumbledore's words essentially are little pearls of wisdom which i love and i carry with me and as a character i love hermione i admire her so much because as a child that was a character that i identified most because we did not have a lot of stories with strong female leads uh and also strong female leads were essentially nerds hermione's greatest superpower is the fact that she's a nerd and as somebody who as like this good diligent uh, studious kind of a child i i could resonate with that and i realized that you don't have to be a princess to be a hero what do you think would rowling be going through when writing this what is that alchemy i actually was very lucky because i got to be a part of that magic in some capacity uh when i was traveling in portugal the students of the university of porto wear black robes like it's this kind of uniform that they wear and it is something very prestigious because the university of porto is it's like going to harvard in portugal so if somebody gets in there they wear those robes everywhere because it's a status symbol almost of academics and rowling used to teach english abroad in in portugal and there's this little bookshop called libraria lelo that she used to work out of and that was just outside uh, the university of porto so oh. every day when she'd go to this bookstore she would see these people dressed in black robes and one of the days it struck her that this looks like it's a school for wizards and witches and that's how harry potter was born and i was lucky enough to actually go to that bookstore and see it the bookstore itself if you look at it you can realize that she's borrowed entire uh, descriptions of places from there like the grand staircase diagonally shops all of that is very close to what that bookstore in reality looks like and i was so lucky that i could actually be a part of that magic and see uh, what she saw and how she thought about creating this universe that was very inspiring Oh that's so nice. I think your most admired storyteller is Rowling, but your who is your most admired copywriter? My most admired copywriter has to be David Abbott. I love the kind of writing that he does. He has written this beautiful long copy campaign for Shivas Spiegel which is a joy to read. It's so visual and so beautiful. I'm I'm in awe. 
and uh, he also writes stuff for the economist he's the original copywriter on the economist who created that iconic brand tone of voice and the economist ads are so simple it's a line of text white color text on a red background but it is the most incredible copywriting i have ever seen in the industry and i'm a huge fan of his work any specific work which you remember of uh oh yeah the the most iconic economist ad is in quotes it says i never read the economist and then in small font it says by management trainee aged 42 This is a this is a big hit. Uh, you were talking about the Little Prince, and I remember reading that. And I think one of the most beautiful lines which stood out for me was, uh, "The most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or touched; they are felt with the heart." Yes, I I love that. I love the French version of that also so much. You want to tell us what the French version is? Yeah, it is. On ne voit bien qu'avec le cœur. l'essentiel est invisible pour les yeux so it translates to one only sees well with the heart the essential is invisible to the eye and in my job of working with leaders as a leadership coach i often tell them that it is really the intangible which we need to work on not the tangible absolutely and and somewhere this really sinks in with me so well and i see that many of us even myself if we have made mistakes in our careers or if we have gone wrong in our careers it was i think in all the occasions it was the intangible where we went wrong and the tangible going wrong was a result of that sorry for putting that small gyan from my side into this <laughs> of course not and i agree with you completely palak you finished your mass media and then you went to work with terribly tiny tales how did that opportunity come up and then all of a sudden you left that opportunity and you went to france can you talk to us about these yes. quick transitions how terribly tiny tales happened is that i was in my final year of graduation and one of my teachers also used to teach the co-founder of terribly tiny tales so he came to my college to give like a, a guest lecture and this teacher that we had in common she is a a very good corporate matchmaker of sorts because she's taught so many bmm students and so many of her bmm students have gone places in the world so she's always trying to see who would be a good fit in what her other kids are doing and she felt i could be a good fit at terribly tiny tales from what she knew of my work so she introduced me to the co-founder and then we spoke and i ended up getting a job over there which was an absolute dream come true for me because i had been a fan of their work for so so long and actually being in that office and learning from the people who created the platform to be what it is was absolutely surreal i have made uh, lifelong friends in that workplace most of whom are still very very close friends of mine including this group of seven girls who are the greatest people i know and my very big support system and biggest cheerleaders um i love them to death so that place gave me a lot more than just career advancement it is it's honestly family and even if i did quit ttt when i did i will always be a part of it and it will always be a part of me so it's it has a very special place in my heart uh why i moved to france after that was because i joined ttt like 15 days after graduating 
and I really loved it but um, I was only 22 at the time and I felt like I was getting a little too comfortable and I did not want to feel that comfortable in a 9 to 5. I wanted to shake things up a little more, I wanted adventure, I think I needed a little more from my life back then when I could and I did not have a lot of like responsibilities. And coincidentally, I got this opportunity from the French Ministry of Education to move there for one academic year and teach English. And it seemed to be the exact adventure that I needed. And so I took it. What exactly did you do in France? I was teaching middle and high school in, in a smaller city in France called Nantes, which is about two hours away from Paris. So my role wasn't to be the teacher, like I got to be the fun teacher. I, my role was mainly to get them to communicate in English with a native speaker and also with someone who's closer to their age. So I could do a lot of fun activities, games. I did not set any exams. I did not give any grades. So they loved being a part of my class because there was very little responsibility attached to it. And honestly, for me, it turned out to be an incredible experience. I had uh, never thought that I would enjoy teaching as much as I did. For me, it was just like somebody offered to pay me to live in Europe for a year uh, while teaching. And I was like, sure, I can try. And I took it. But um, actually going there made me realize why people say teaching is such a rewarding job. It, it's honestly incredible. I love those kids. I still am in touch with so many of them. If you had not gone there, what would have you missed out on? First of all, that was my first time living alone. I had lived at home my whole life up until that point. So it was a very big revelation into how pampered I am and how much I need to still learn to like become independent. So I think and I would strongly advise every person to at least live alone once by themselves to get to know themselves and learn what they're capable of. I realized how much uh, I could accomplish being on my own because I could try for the first time. Before that, it was always like every time there's the smallest problem, there's more about that to fix it. And suddenly I am living in this country where I have to do a job. I have to do things as simple as getting a social security number, opening a bank account, getting insurance, doing all of that in a language that's not my own. And while that is very scary, it's also very empowering when you do it. So I think it made me have much more faith in myself than I did before I went. And also just like living in Europe, being able to travel every weekend, being able to meet so many new people, understand where they come from, their perspectives. That helped me grow a lot as a creative. And um, for that, I'm always going to be very thankful to that experience. So when you left for France uh, or when you decided that you have to take this opportunity, how did the family react to it? My dad did not completely understand why I wanted to do it. He was like, this is not directly related to your career. It is not absolutely necessary. You're going to be living in a place where we know nobody, where you don't speak the language. And are you sure you want to do this? But I was sure. And uh, the wonderful thing about my parents is that uh, they support all of my dreams, even when they don't completely understand them. And I'm so grateful that they let me do that. And yeah, so eventually he did relent and let me go. Yeah, I know. I think I very much agree with what you said. And my daughter, Swastika, she lives in Japan. 
and she went there straight after her English literature. She's been there for much longer now, I think two and a half years, but she had to go through very similar experiences which you described. And in this process, she learned very proficiently the Japanese language. And why I say this, particularly in conversation with you, is because I think all parents need to understand that at a certain stage in the life of a child, you need to know how to draw a line and you need to let them be. And, and that doesn't mean that you take away the belonging or the emotional attachment. But I think the minute-to-minute -minute interference or nagging is something which you need to get out of. Definitely. And I also feel like, honestly, I understand where parents come from. It cannot by any means be an easy decision to let your child go away. It's a very inherent uh, parental need to like protect your child. And that's, that's what you've been doing all these years. So letting go of that is definitely not something um, that can come easily. But uh, I'm so thankful for parents like mine and for you who let us do that anyway. I think beyond the point, it's just about having faith in your upbringing and having that you have raised us well enough that we're going to be able to do fine on our own. It may not be as amazing or as perfect or as easy a life that you can provide for us. But we're going to have to learn to do that at some point on our own. So these opportunities definitely help with that. Yeah, you talked about the inherent urge of protecting uh, the child. And I think I had read this small line somewhere, safety is the biggest risk also. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah. And, and whether in personal life or business life or profession, I think when you become too safe, and like you said, when you were at TTT, you wanted to shake things up because there was a comfort zone, there was a safety in that environment. Definitely. That's very true. And Palak, what have been some of your most favorite readings other than Harry Potter? Are there some favorite books which you would like to recommend? Sure. I love writing. Uh, I really like the Kaitrano. I, what else? There's this Indian writer called Anuja Chauhan, whose books are amazing. She is an ad woman turned novelist. And uh, her writing is very witty, very funny, very Indian. I really enjoy her books. I'm sometimes embarrassed to read them in public because I laugh out loud at multiple points and <laughs> it's weird. But her books are brilliant. So I would definitely recommend checking her stuff out. And, and what would you say to people who, who have that element in them to write but are fearful? How do you shape yourself as a creative writer? I think that for a lot of us, the, the reward of writing is writing itself. All the validation and people loving it and the opportunities that it brings you, all of that is nice, but it's secondary. For me, I would be perfectly happy if I wrote something that made my heart happy and showed it to nobody in that sense. For a lot of budding writers, I know that is true. Which means that even if you put your work out there and it fails, so what? You lost nothing. You just lost the cherries, right? You still have the cake that you created something and it gave you joy. So definitely do it. What happens to it, whether it'll go somewhere, whether somebody will read it, like it, all of that is secondary. And that is what is scary. The writing itself is not scary. It's what other people will think of it that's scary. So why really bother about that? Oh, that was excellent. I think that's a very nice perspective. It's inspiring for me because I blog, I try to put something out every week on my website. They are like one or two minute reads maximum. And somehow, sometimes I'm not happy about them, but I still go ahead and put them on. So thank you, uh, Palak, for giving that kick to me. 
Of course, please keep doing that. Please keep <laughs> going. Going back to your France time. So, how many countries were you able to see when you were in Europe? So, in that specific period, I went to fourteen countries in the eight months that I was there. And this was all on your own. This was yeah. Most of it was on my own. Some of it with, was with friends. And you have also written a small poem about the Portuguese coast. Do you remember right. that one? Yes, yes, I have uh, written. It's called Boca de Inferno. Boca de Inferno is this place on the Portuguese coast where the water has beat against the rock so many times that it has actually created like an arch, and I find that very beautiful. The rock is supposed to be an obstruction to the flow of water. and just by persistently knocking against it it could create a, a doorway from an obstruction and uh, that's so beautiful and if the ocean could do that can't we exactly i think that was the loud and clear message from that poem i would request you to read that one please definitely it's called boca de inferno and it goes there's a place on the portuguese coast where the ocean pounded against the rocks every day incessantly until weary parts of the cliff collapsed and were chiseled out into an arch instead and on nights when i just want to give up i think about it and i'm reminded of how mountains too can turn into gates all you have to do is knock long enough fabulous i don't know if this is a right or wrong question sometimes i wonder if i should ask this or not to certain people but i want to ask this to you what is leadership to you i think leadership to me is somebody who helps you become the best version of yourself i think good leaders don't want to create little replicas of themselves they want you to become the best you that you're capable of being i think good leaders are people who give you room to fail don't always expect the best but help you fix things afterwards and uh, help you learn from those experiences and grow from them and not repeat them and uh, also people who can offer support and when when there is criticism it has to be of the constructive kind especially when you're leading creatives because we're we're so close as people to the work that we create right if i were to be an accountant i have nothing against accountants but if i have a bad day at work i i had a bad day at work that's what it is as a creative if i have a bad day it makes me question am i a terrible writer am i a terrible person what am i doing with my life right now because we chose to take a gamble on a passion and all criticism you get for your work ends up transferring to yourself so i think the job of a good leader in creative professions would be to make people understand that if i am criticizing something that you created then that means that work is not great it does not mean that you are not great right but not being judgmental yeah. about the individual himself or herself any personal experiences you can think of to share i have honestly i have been blessed with very good uh, mentors and who have been amazing leaders and uh, have all of these ideas that i hope to grow into someday but a friend of mine recently uh, experienced the opposite with one of our teachers where he presented some ideas and the teacher did not like them the criticism that he gave was not constructive it wasn't feedback that could help him make the idea better it was just feedback that made him feel bad 
and that honestly helps nobody and my friend was very upset so one of our other friends and i reached out to him just to see how he's doing and check in with him because we knew he not had a very good day in class that day and we also spoke about the fact that one of the ideas that he had presented we actually saw merit in and uh, even if the teacher did not really we thought that it was quite nice and we figured we should go ahead and do it anyway like it, it's okay if um, the teacher did not like it we we wanted to work with him on it and we went ahead and created an idea for penguin about eco friendly books like books that are created without any of the frills and environmentally friendly so that readers can have the experience of reading a physical book without the ecological cost that comes with it and we went ahead and created that idea and two days ago it won a dnad impact pencil which is possibly one of the most prestigious awards in advertising so that was a big win for my friend that is uh, creating opportunity out of a crisis you wrote somewhere or maybe you said somewhere i know the universe has got my back and is constantly conspiring to make me happier in darker times it is this faith that keeps me going yes i did say that so i am a huge believer in the secret i read it once every year mostly because creative professions especially high pressure professions like advertising they can get very exhausting and isolating beyond a point there are days when you just feel like you're churning out ideas one after the other they are not working it can get frustrating people get burnt out all the time so i think the the field that i am in needs you to believe in something like you can believe in a god you can believe in a universe you can believe in a mentor you can believe in yourself whatever it is but it demands some kind of belief and some kind of faith because without that it's very easy to get lost and very easy to get very burned out so for me that's this is my belief system i choose to see the best in people because you can choose to believe that everybody is out to get you but i find it much easier to believe that everybody is out to help you and luckily my experiences have been such i've only met people who wanted to help me and um, guide me and invest in me so yeah so i really believe in the secret like when you set your mind to something and when you work very hard it does come true and which of your own writings play out in your own life uh all of them in some capacity so gabriel garcia marquez has said this one thing which is in journalism one fact that is false prejudices the entire work but in fiction one fact that is true gives legitimacy to the entire work wow. try and have a uh, one little nugget of truth in whatever i'm creating because you can't make make those things up like that's that's your insight it's this basic human truths that played out in your life that you put into your writing and it can be a very small detail but um, later on you will realize that a lot of people relate to that very nugget because that is something that they've experienced in their lives as well so i think all fiction does have a little bit of fact in it and at least mine does <laughs> that was a lovely explanation i think i'm just going to ask you a very impromptu kind of a question let's do this so you are on the small big wins podcast pala what what do the words small big wins communicate to you small big wins to me communicate the kind of wins that i want to have in my life because so it also reminds me of like the whole idea of the pale blue dot 
where our whole lives our whole uh, stories are everything in the grander sense of things in the universe is all on this little pale blue dot that is the earth and for us in the grander scheme of things maybe the successes that we have and the amazing things that happen to us in our lives the people that we meet the serendipities that happen they may be very small things but for us they can mean the world and small big wins sums that up for me that it it may be small things in in the universe but to me it's massive and so it's special oh thank you that's a lovely explanation thank you very much for sharing that Well, Palak, I think it has been a great pleasure to speak with you to get your thinking behind the way you conceive, the way you use language, the way you find rabta or the inexplicable connection uh-huh. to different souls. I think it has been a conversation of learning, and yet very simple. I would like to close this conversation, but before closing the conversation, I want to read out for you and to you. something which a gentleman by the name of Brewster Gislin had said and it goes like this creativity may be conceived of as an exercise of the configurative powers of the whole psyche involving all its substance and the play of its entire energy may these lines give more and more power to you palak and may you do well in life may you achieve all the vision which you have set out for yourself and continue to do work which helps in saving the planet continue to do work which helps in bringing empowerment to women thank you so much i really appreciate it thank you so much palak thank you for having me this has been a lovely chat and i'm so glad that you made the time to do it thank you so much thanks palak